Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Wesson Walker Show on a Monday, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming. You guys are lively today. 704-570-9610 are the numbers to hit up. Let us know what is on your mind. Before we jump into the campus corner, didn't get a chance to address it on Friday, but definitely wanted to give an RIP to Dick Butkus, the Pro Football Hall of Famer for the Chicago Bears. Listen, man. Died at the age of 80, lived a great life, man. But this was one of the guys, especially coming up when I first started getting into football, always known as one of the most fearful, arguably known as the greatest middle linebacker of all time. Certainly, if you put together an all-time NFL team, he would be a part of it. Just a mean cuss, as my coach would say. And uh, he was an original monster of the midway. So RIP to Buck, because I know it's a bit belated, but had to give the Hall of Famer uh, his flowers really quick, man, because he was big time. Well, and Friday was a crazy show. Crazy. We were over at the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Roval weekend, which was bumping this weekend. Lots of people having a lot of fun. I was at the Walmart at Concord Commonplace for Quaker State. Shout out Shell. We had a fun time over there at the booth, but yes, that was a, a lot of fun although chaotic talking about our favorite paint schemes that's why we didn't get to it but yes r.i.p dick butkus who i would say best football name of all time it's one of them man red grange is a good one that's a great one i'm gonna go with dick butkus as the best football name that i've ever heard in my life yeah man and he was certainly uh, a great football player that lived up to it but now it is time to go to the campus corner all right College football this weekend across the area. Not a ton of games, but uh, some games that still had some importance nonetheless. And so when we look at uh, what happened over the landscape, especially when you're talking locally, ACC teams, SEC, whatever the case may be, just a quick overarching glance at the weekend. You want to talk about the biggest winner of the weekend? I'm going to go with the Tar Heels, and I know that I chose uh, Syracuse to upset them, but for them to come out, drop 40 like they did, you get Tez Walker back in the mix. I think this is a good sign for them going forward, and I'm starting to come around on, on Carolina. The defense, something I never thought would get to the level in which they're playing right now, not that they're playing you know, top 10 in all of college football type of defense, man, but you hold Syracuse to seven points. Uh, a week after what Clemson was able to do to him as well. And Carolina's defense, too, and I watched that game. They're playing with a lot of swagger. Uh, you can just see it permeating throughout that defense. Cedric, Cedric Gray and the crew. Yeah, I was about to say, flying around, man. They're creating turnovers. They're causing a lot of havoc. So you have to like what you saw from the Tar Heels. Drake May had that Drake May game that you were looking for, 442 passing yards and three touchdowns. 
I mean, even if you take away his worst throw of the day was the biggest play of the day when he missed. I, I think it was uh, it was Pesor, I believe, who was able to bring that in when he throws it behind him on a slant. But then he just takes it to the house after he juggles it. Even if you take that play away from Drake May, about 370 yards. I mean, he was phenomenal. Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL draft analyst said that was probably his best game of the season to this point. So crazy stats. Yes. North Carolina, not the wrong answer. I want to be different, though, so we can try to pick and choose a couple of these other games that happened. I think Louisville actually is my real answer, though. Okay. Louisville getting a 33-20 win over Notre Dame, monster victory for them. And I think if you go back, and I was talking about being wrong. Some people on the tax line want us to admit when we're wrong about some stuff. Yes. Hey, I'll admit this one. I didn't think Louisville was going to beat Notre Dame. I thought the Fighting Irish were actually going to win by something like 10 or more. I thought it would be pretty comfortable, and I was way wrong on that. Louisville's offense, they came out. They ran the football very well, something that they weren't really able to do putting points up on the board against NC State. Yeah. This is the this is the weird thing that the ACC always is every single year, right? I should have seen it coming, but I just didn't. When NC State holds Louisville to 13 points, I don't expect Louisville to put up 33 on what is a better defense. I know NC State's defense is good. Every year, they're at least baseline good. But then NC State gives up, what, like 40 to Marshall, and they hold Louisville to 13. But then Louisville puts up 33 on Notre Dame that has a better defense. It's hard to try to make all of that make sense. Still, Louisville being ranked number 25, beating a top 10 opponent like Notre Dame. Give me Louisville as the biggest winner. Oh, man, they came out second consecutive year. They beat a top 10 opponent, which was the Wake Forest Demon Deacons the year before, led by Sam Hartman. They sacked him five times, uh, held Notre Dame to 44 yards on the ground. Uh, Big time game by the Louisville Cardinals. So, uh, the biggest loser of the weekend. And, Shrop, I'm going to let you uh, kick this thing off and just let the fans hear the call uh, before I go into (laughs) my biggest loser of the weekend. Let's play the hits. Here's King from the pocket. Flush to his right with six. Five. Going to loop it downfield. And ball is caught. Touchdown, Georgia Tech. With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary. said it needs to be said that's one of the biggest coaching mistakes <laughs> at this level that i have ever seen in my lifetime man Hasselbeck I mean, was beside himself the whole time he was and that analysis that he gave was just it was off the chain and it was spot on because for those of you who don't know the miami hurricanes were ahead of georgia tech 20 to 17 And then they had the ball with 33 seconds to go, a 2017 lead, 33 seconds left on the clock. All Miami had to do was kneel the ball in victory formation. Georgia Tech had zero timeouts. (laughs) And granted, yes, Don Chaney Jr. fumbled the ball. You felt bad. The kid was just beside himself on the sidelines. But instead of kneeling the ball, they decided to run the ball. And Don Chaney was stripped of said ball. Georgia Tech got it back. The defense isn't without culpability either. They give up a short drive to Georgia Tech in which Georgia Tech went a long way in a short time. And they took an L. And Miami's kids were out there. And they were just... You would have thought they lost the national championship, Georgia Tech to be exact. I'm sorry, went 75 yards in two plays before Haynes King threw 
uh, what would be the game-winning touchdown pass. And so, yeah, that was awful. Let's hear from Mario Cristobal why he said he made the decision he made. Mario, why did you guys take a knee on that? Like, yeah. And when the drive started, it was going to be a 157, you know, and um, we were about 127 off, and then it was recalibrated. Um, should have taken the timeout right there at the end. Thought he'd get the first down, and you know, we talked about two hands on the ball, but that's not good enough. Just we don't take a knee. That's it from the wall 25. They went 75 yards in two plays, so no excuse. I mean, that was a bad loss for the Canes. That's my biggest loser of the weekend. That definitely has thrown a big monkey wrench into their ACC championship hopes, even though they can still get there. Yeah. And then college football playoffs in today, you can forget that. that. That's the only way that you could argue a Notre Dame being the biggest loser of the weekend. And if we're going in the ACC, then it has to be Miami or anybody locally. It has to be Miami. Cristobal, you you had the game won. It was actually a win. This should be a W in the win-loss column, and you decided that you were going to run one more play. Now, Charlotte-born GJ, he writes in on the text line, I'm no Miami fan, but that was no fumble. It's true. If you go back and look at it, his knee was down. That is in no way the point. I've never seen that before, where you had a win locked up, but it's almost like you're playing Madden with your buddies where you just call off kneels altogether. I don't know if I've ever run a QB kneel in my lifetime on Madden. And I feel like Mario Cristobal went Madden. And you're the smarter coach. <laughs> I don't feel... And I honestly, I haven't lost ever in Madden, in college football, with a running when there was less than 45 seconds left on mm -hmm. the overall clock. I haven't lost like that. I have. And, <laughs> see? But you get it, right? Does he know that he wasn't using any joysticks to play out there? These are real dudes that you're playing, that you're going out there. They they are not going to control the football because you were able to dodge a hit stick from your buddy laying along right side you on the couch. I don't understand what was going on with Cristobal here. I thought the excuse for it was lame. There's no excuse. And big-time kudos, as you mentioned, to Tim Hasselback, who is mentioning it in real time. He is telling you, as they're not in victory formation, he's telling you, they need to kneel this football. I don't understand what's going on. And then he called. <laughs> he was just, he was so silent. And then he lets the moment breathe a little bit, just the, the broadcasting etiquette. And then after he says, look, I'm just going to call it what it is. Worst coaching blunder I've ever seen in my entire life at this level. And the thing was, he'd done it before when he was at Oregon. He'd done the exact same thing, and he tried to defend it and was just like, you know, uh, the decision was made, and they stuck by it. I believe it was Oregon and Stanford a few years back. He did the exact same thing, and that's why fans were just roasting him, saying that he had no idea what the victory formation was. He had no inclination to call that. Plus, not to mention, it had been raining. It was a little slick out there. I don't get the thinking of it at all. Well, And, and even when you want to say they didn't really fumble it, the refs, quote-unquote, gave that game to Georgia Tech because of that, when you decide to run the football, you, you extend the game when it's already locked up. So that means you allow some of these outlier possibilities to still exist. We've all seen the graphic of ESPN saying the 99.9 .9 winning percentage drops to the other team. We've seen those types of upsets before, and you allowed that to live. Can I give you one other big loser, though? Okay. We, we can both agree it's Miami. That, that's a horrible way to lose. I'm going to go Sam Hartman as another one. Talk about allowing things to live. The Sam Hartman can't perform in the big game narrative. It lived this weekend. Okay. The offensive line, you're right. It's not very good for Notre Dame, despite a lot of people saying how good it is every single year. 
I'm going to give you the record that Sam Hartman has against Louisville. The Cardinals, for some reason, that is his kryptonite. If you view him oh, as any kind of Superman, I know you know. I'm going to tell the people. <laughs> no, I'm saying I know his record against Louisville, too. Go ahead. It's real bad. In this this year, 2023, this weekend, two touchdowns, three interceptions, L. 2022, one touchdown, three interceptions, L. Actually win in 2021. But how about in 2020, he had his lowest completion percentage in nine starts against Louisville, L. His first start of 2019, who does it come against? Louisville. What happens? They get an L. They lose. The first start of the season. What's crazy is he actually, the first game he ever played, he got a win in 2018. But after that, it's been mostly pain. And the big game narrative arises again. And Notre Dame not going to be playing for a playoff spot after they barely survive, even against a team like Duke. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, those are also some big old losers. Listen, Sam gone Sam. And later on (laughs) in the show, Notre Dame fans, I got plenty of smoke for you on this microphone. And real quick as we go to break, guys, stop with the conspiracy nonsense about the Georgia Tech-Miami game. Ain't no way in hell the ACC wanted Georgia Tech to beat Miami and knock a potential big market team out of the ACC championship race or really put a big damper on that. There was nothing to gain by anybody for Georgia Tech and Miami. So please stop with the, the, the gambling stuff and all this utter nonsense. But when we come back on the Wesson Walker show, Ben Johnson... Did a great job yesterday calling plays for the Detroit Lions. We're going to talk about him and other head coaching candidates that the Panthers might have missed out on. That and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you hanging out here with us. Even if it's painful hearing about the Carolina Panthers, we got some people asking for Charlotte Hornets talk, Wes. That's happening. On the text line, out here in the streets. They need something new, man. They need something to be hopeful about. The vibes are good with the Hornets. I'm not saying it's going to fulfill everybody's dreams and hopes, but I'm telling you, the vibes are good right now. Vibes are good for the Panthers before the start of the season, too. Yeah, that's what everybody keeps pointing out. I know. I like to overlook that, but you're not (laughs) wrong, Shroppy. Thank you for coming in to remind us. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're waiting for the Charlotte Hornets to what? In my case, win 37 games, so I don't have to pay for Fitty's lunch for a whole week, and we get to see him become, you know, peanut butter head. That's what we want to see. PB head. 
And everybody else just wants to see the Hornets possibly get to the play-in game and then maybe even playoffs if we're feeling frisky enough. That'd be great. Vibes are good there, but you're right, Troppy. They were good surrounding the Panthers before we got off to an 0-5 start. The vibes are also good, I think, during the head coaching search. There were a lot of good candidates out there. There was. And you have a few new head coaches this year. John Gannon for Arizona. Shane Steichen. For Indianapolis. D'Amico Ryans is the new head coach with Houston. Sean Payton for Denver. Matt Eberflus for Chicago. Those are the new coaches that you have in the NFL as it stands right now. Matt Eberflus, not a great start for them. But they do have a win on Thursday Night Football over Washington now. Was he not there last year? Oh, is that, I'm sorry. Matt Eberflus. Uh, yeah, Eberflus is not new. Sorry, Matt Eberflus, just as far as looking at the starts of the year. I apologize. But Matt Eberflus, not a new coach, but certainly somebody that got a victory before the Carolina Panthers did. So hmm. now Chicago, they have a win. If you look at the other first-year coaches, those guys are first-year. Sean Payton. It might not be going as well as you want it to for him, but we can remember David Tepper thought about bringing Sean Payton aboard. We had that conversation. You miss out on him. Who cares as much? I, it's not necessarily Russell Wilson and the offense. That's the big issue with Denver right now. It's their defense being so poor. It's not going well with Denver, but I don't, I don't know how much of that is Sean, even though as much as we, we love to see him lose. D'Amico Ryans is doing a great job with Houston and even their defense. It's not just CJ Stroud. That's doing a great job down there. Their defense is performing a lot better than everybody expected. Shane Steichen doing a great job with Indianapolis. And even that goofball in Arizona, John Gannon, when everybody's making fun of him and the social media team putting out the video of him, y'all got that fire under your belly? Because if you don't, you need to get out of the building. Okay. He's got Arizona competing. He's got Josh Dobbs playing decent enough football where even if the Cowboys got destroyed last night by your 49ers, Wes, nobody expected the Cardinals to beat Dallas when that happened. They're competing every single game. There was also Ben Johnson a part of the mix, too. And we saw Ben Johnson in his bag yesterday, Wes, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Ben Johnson could have been the next head coach here. I think there was some definite interest from the Carolina Panthers organization, but Ben Johnson said no. He went back to become the offensive coordinator again for Detroit, and you see him dialing up some wild plays. Wes, I I couldn't believe it when I saw QB under center direct snap to David Montgomery go between the legs to Jared Goff. I had to ask y'all in the fishbowl, yo, did that snap go between Jared Goff's legs, direct snap to David Montgomery? And Goff acted like it was a missed snap, and then Montgomery picks up however many yards on that play. We got to see the one like hybrid wide receiver reverse flea flicker. That hits Sam Laporta, Sam Laporta, who looks great for a touchdown. Didn't the 49ers do that same exact they play? Did. They did. They did. Kyle Shanahan did it again, too. Yeah, like, so it, you could see the the comparison, both of those videos that looked the exact same. What does it say about a Ben Johnson deciding not to come here? Shane Steichen, the reports were that those interviews weren't very good. The Panthers didn't love the interview process, but the guy doing a good job with Indianapolis. Pep Hamilton, if you really want to stretch this thing back, Going into the 2022 season before Matt Rule was fired, people were looking at what Pep Hamilton was doing, the passing game coordinator for the Texans. His work with Justin Herbert, Andrew Luck, even Davis Mills, who was playing respectable respectable football at the time. They were like, yo, Pep Hamilton doesn't even want to come here and interview for the head coaching job. 
How much of a concern is that for these bright minds to either turn down an opportunity to be the head coach for this Panthers team or the Panthers just look elsewhere to Frank Reich and it certainly isn't working out? Oh, it's really bad because also, too, uh, you know, I know sometimes you guys don't necessarily like to talk about race here, but. I think that the candidates like a D'Amico Ryans or some of those Talk guys. Talk about the listeners. I don't want that on me, just real quickly. No, just so, for yeah, the yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. But I'm just saying that just a quick point that I think that a lot of people, you, you can't sit here and tell me that people didn't look at how they did Steve Wilkes and that was a turnoff. Right. Like a lot of people looked and said, God, look what this guy did. Look what he could be capable of if you leave him at that post and then you let him go. And I think a lot of guys looked at that, especially like a D'Amico Ryans. I know, I can't say I know for a fact because I don't know him, but I would bet a lot. If you put him to the fire and asked him, would that have an impact on his thinking with that job? And of course, I think he would say yes. But other than that, um, I think it does, man, because this is not an organization that coaches are flocking to. Uh, This was not a destination job for anybody. And so I think that when you look at guys turning it down, that's that's terrible for your situation. I mean, most NFL teams, NFL jobs, guys are excited about it. And it's a lifelong dream for them. And so when you look at Carolina and the Ben Johnsons of the world and guys like that that did not want to come here, that turned it down. Because to be frank, it was kind of rare to me when I heard some of those reports. About Ben Johnson turning it down? Just guys turning down interviews with Carolina, not being super interested in a job. Normally the NFL comes calling no matter which franchise it is. You're going to be listening and you're going to be intrigued. So for guys to be turning down situations like that, I I definitely think it speaks a lot to where this organization is and possibly how guys feel about David Tepper. I want to be fair, just to be accurate. I don't know if it was necessarily that Ben Johnson turned down specifically the Panthers. He did tell all interested parties that he isn't going to coach and he's going to go back to Detroit for 2023. But we do know that he canceled his in-person interview with the Panthers in January and then informed all the other interested teams. And so when you turn down the in-person interview, don't even get a shot. I hope it's not because he's hearing what David Tepper is like, what the situation is like with this organization. The thing about Pep Hamilton, too, when it was happening two years ago, right? He told, I think it was, uh, this was according to a report from Aaron Wilson of Sports Talk 790 down in Houston. He declined to interview for the position to interview and be the Panthers offensive coordinator under a potential Steve Wilkes or someone like that. And that's the weird one. Pep Hamilton could possibly come back home, okay, has familiarity with the area, in order to do the same thing or maybe have that? have one promotion with the Houston organization. And it's not even – I'm not even saying the Panthers missed out on Pep Hamilton. I'm not necessarily saying that. I think the point is, is there something to guys turning down opportunities with the Panthers here? And then again, Moose is right. I, I mentioned this a couple times. The Shane Steichen thing where – Apparently his interview wasn't very good. Reports were that they didn't, they weren't impressed. And so he's the last guy out of all these coaches to get the job. I think the Colts held out for a long time because it looked like maybe Ursay was going to give Jeff Saturday the job again, but you couldn't. And then eventually you go get Shane Steichen and the offense, especially with his work with Jalen Hurts, working with an athletic quarterback, especially a big, strong QB like Anthony Richardson, except you're still working on throwing too. It's exactly the type of marriage you would want to see between a head coach and your young QB. The thing that I think of, too, and, and uh, Ginger Wife, he texted in that 
Tepa wants yes, man. He wants coaches that will bow down to him. We are screwed. And so I don't necessarily know 100% that that's the case, but I do wonder when the reports come out about having a bad interview, I wonder did that play into it to maybe where they put something to the candidates to say, well, you know, our owner's very involved. How do you feel about that? And maybe they don't answer in a way that they like. And maybe that's, constitutes the quote-unquote bad interview that they're like, well, you know, I don't really want to own a meddling in my business like that. That could be something there to that because there was something he did right in Indianapolis for them to hire him. And I know we're humans and people are come in and the vibes that you get and the different things could turn some people on, turn some people off. That's just a thought there, you know, going into my conspiracy bag is that I wonder if they kind of let the candidates know, like, look, this is how it is. This is how things are. Or you just hear are things. Are you interested in that? Yeah. yeah even, even if it's not the Panthers telling them how they're going to have to do their job. Yeah. I mean, you could hear things from Matt Rule yeah. if you want. And maybe. Oh, and coaches talking. Oh, yeah. Talk. Oh, yeah. You, you could hear stuff all over the place. Yeah. I mean, David Tepper now has been here for a while. Yeah. He's not the crazy new owner anymore. I guess compared to other owners in the league, he's newer, but not the newest anymore. Like, he's been here for a little bit. And this is why now we're starting to accumulate a sample size where people are comfortable saying, flat-out bad owner. And we were talking about this in the fishbowl. I don't know how much David Tepper has learned from his mistakes. Because one thing I am going to give him credit for, even still, he opened up his wallet. There's an advantage in the National Football League where there is no salary cap on coaches. And David Tepper thought he could help this team by paying everybody. I'm not going to fault him for that. I, I mean, I would be somewhat hypocritical if I was telling you, oh, yeah, he hired all the wrong guys as part of the staff. Look, he thought by helping this football team put together guys like Jim Caldwell, Dom Capers, bringing in Josh McCown, Avero, you want to go to Minnesota? Nah, man, we're going to throw you more money. Come here because we know your track record as a defensive coordinator. Thomas Brown, come over here. Dude, we don't even want you to call plays, but we want to pay you because you're a bright mind. I, I still like that. I still want David Tepper to open up the checkbook in future seasons with whatever regime he's going to change. I don't, I don't want that to change. What I do want to change is the meddling nature that we all kind of expect or suspect from David Tepper. Like we want him to let the football people do the football stuff. And when we have Joe person on last week and Joe person says, yeah, man, he's really heavily involved even to the point where it might be a little too involved where David Tepper and his wife, they're making the rounds with every single one of these QBs on their pro days. And they're getting on the tour bus and they're going to Tuscaloosa and they're going to Columbus they're going to every single one of these pro days and they're talking to all the QBs themselves. Does that have some, even even if it's not a direct demand, draft Bryce Young, do you have to feel that way because of the way that the owner, your boss, reacts to Bryce compared to a CJ Stroud or an Anthony Richardson? I, yeah, that that is the thing I hope that David Tepper learns from, if it hasn't yet, because that's the part. It's easy to just say, oh, he's a bad owner. He's awful. He's not doing the right stuff. I do want to start to look into the reason why we think he's a bad owner. And to me, it's the meddling in the football operation sides of things. I hope he opens up the checkbook every single offseason. I hope that never changes. The football decisions, I hope that does. Yeah, and it's tough, man, because you, as an owner, I think about how I would be. And 
it would be hard not to want to be hands-on. I'd probably on. be criticizing you too, Wes. Right? You would be. You would be. Uh, you know, I'd be down there chewing my gum, thinking about my billions and that practice and, and trying to tell them what they need to do and who they should draft and things of that nature. But no, just as a grown man, you have to let your guys do their job and you have to try. I know it will be re- very, very hard because anything you own, it's, it's like I said, I, I always like to bring the human element. It's human nature, man. People are going to want to control things that they own. No question about that. And so it's like your baby, so to speak. So if you feel like you know something that could be done more than what somebody else, you're going to give your input. But we've also seen in a lot of franchises when the owners meddle, it never turns out well. That's one of the biggest problems that Dallas fans have with their franchise. And you talk about the Raiders and how much control Al Davis had over that and how much the new owner, Mark Davis, is doing kind of the same things and so when you talk about the draft process I always think about Bud Adams and Floyd Reese and Vince Young how Bud Adams wanted Vince Young he made the call Floyd Reese did not want Vince Young like that but they had to do it because that's what the owner said and so it's a very very tricky scenario and maybe this season is the season that kind of wakes him up to say hey you know maybe you shouldn't be but I think that's going to be hard to do because these guys are so rich they have such big egos that it's kind of hard to tell them things that they don't want to hear. And so that's the conundrum you run into, but it could be something that could be very detrimental to this franchise and its growth going forward. And the thing is, too, like you even have David Tepper this past week alongside Scott Fitterer. They're both out there at practice. Everybody was looking at one another, you know, side-eyeing. Oh, okay. They got the big boys out here for practice now. Does that do anything? Does that help? It's supposed to be, man. You know what that was. Oh, I know what it Power was. Play I'm asking if it helps because yeah, that's not help. That's what it. That, it's hard for me to see it. It certainly didn't. If you just want to go wins and losses, because they looked awful against the Lions. Yeah, it just makes more. It just creates more tension, and it's it's frankly an annoyance because it feels like micromanaging. I'm I'm sure Reich and those guys yeah. when he comes out to practice, it feels like micromanaging. Like and that's annoying. I know I hate being micromanaged. What if Jeff just came in here and started sitting in on every show? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'd be like, yo man, like we'd have to have a chat. I'd be like, Jeff, what's up, man? Like why you don't trust us? I'm just watching. That's all I'm doing. I'm just sitting over here on the sideline. I'm just making sure everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Every joke that we made that was a little edgy. And then coaching us up during the break. Like, guys, when you talk about this, say that that would be. I'm looking at Jeff every time. Have his little notepad and start writing stuff down. He doesn't tell you what it is. You're like, oh, God. (laughs) Right, right, right. That's a great point. Yes. And don't let it be a red pen. (laughs) I don't want to see those notes because I saw enough of those during my homework assignments. I don't want a red pen from Jeff watching us do a three-hour show. Even once a week, just sitting in here. It's like the principal coming in to see how the teacher is conducting class. Like, yeah. I guess it's good to hold people accountable, but, man, that affects people. And I don't think in a very positive way. Some guys don't like way. to be challenged like that because you know there are some head coaches that aren't going to deal with that. You talk about back in the day, the Bill Parcells, Jimmy Johnson, mm-hmm. guys like that. They're not having that. The owner coming out to practice, what are you doing out here? Why are you bothering us? They're going to get into an argument of some sort, things of that nature. And they especially wouldn't want to be challenged in front of the players. Well, and and even so, let's say that David Tepper is watching. Do you think he's in Frank Reich's ear? Hey, I would have run the drill this way. What? You tell me how to run a hedge fund drill. Right. <laughs> don't don't tell me how to run Oklahoma. Yes. You don't know anything about Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, what you know, may maybe Fitterer does, maybe, but you know, talent evaluation more so there. Scott Fitter is really not the one. If you want to watch practice and that's fine. You gotta make decisions on these guys. I get mm-hmm. that. 
But David Tepper being out there, I guess it's to, if you want to look at it from a creating competition standpoint, to bring in someone of equal value on the roster. Now you got to compete with an equal linebacker. Okay, I know competition breeds success to some degree. But David Tepper coming out there, what is he going to tell Frank Reich? What's he going to tell Thomas Brown? Uh, I, I changed a few things up. Let me show you how to do it. Real Would quick. you go to practice like that if you were an owner? I'd watch just because I'm a football fan. I have to That's imagine. what I'm saying. Yeah, like you'd be so into it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hope I wouldn't be telling people what to do. And look, mate, and to be fair, I, I'm sorry, Tepper. Maybe you were just watching, okay? Maybe you were just watching. I don't know. That's not how people were reacting, though. People were like, oh, we got the big guns out here today. Yeah, and, I'd probably be in my office playing uh, video games on a projector, something <laughs> wild like that. <laughs> well, see, Madden tells us to go with this in this situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. What are you doing? Yeah, you oh, come are down. you smarter than John Madden yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Get out of here. You're, You're coming fired. down with your offense plays you want to put in <laughs> off the Madden playbook. Halfback dive is great. Yeah. Okay. What about these crossing routes? <laughs> have you have you ever have you seen these uh slants? What are these crossing routes? These slants they call them? Have you ever seen these? Yeah, these man. All right, let's go to <laughs> shropping it like it's hot for the second time today. What you got for us, Shroppy? So anyone that listened on Friday to the program knows that mm. we uh we did the Shrops props where I brought up what was it? Six player props to you guys, and you guys gave your opinion on if they thought they were going to go higher or lower. Time to review your picks. All right, let's see who did well. All righty. So our first one was Adam Thielen. His line was set at 52.5 receiving yards. Wes and Walker, you guys both went over on that. You're both correct. He ended up with 107 on the Sprilla. game. Yeah, Wes, so. Wes, go ahead and say it. What's he on pace for? Yeah, man. Uh, at this point, yeah, he might go thirteen, fourteen on you. Now, now we need, now we need the baseball. How many games are left in a regular season yeah. exaggeration? Because yep. that's the only guy they're throwing to. <laughs> Up next, we have three Bryce Young uh, propositions. His first one was passing yards. It was set at two hundred and thirteen and a half. You got me on these. West said lower. Walker said higher. It was at two forty-seven. So Walker's taking that one. Yes. Bryce Young half an interception. Wes, you went under. Walker, you went over. He threw two. Walker yep. got that one as yep. well. Yeah, we took care of that one early. Yep. Yeah, really early. Bryce Young, one touchdown pass. Wes went under. He wanted to push, but he went under. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Walker went over. He ended up throwing three. So Walker takes that one as well. well it was really game script, man. Like oh, If you yeah. were going to pick over or under for one of them, it was going to be more likely that you did for all of them. Yep. And then moving on to the kicker, we have Eddie Pinheiro, five kicking points. Wes went under. Walker, you went under. He went over with mm. six. You guys mm. both both missed out on that one. And then Miles Sanders, 40 and a half rushing yards. Both of you went under on that. He ended up with 32. So you're both correct. But in our first iteration of this, Walker, you take the dub. All right. Yes. Let that be the answer to every trivia question ever when asked, who is the first person to win the Shrop Prop segment <laughs> on Wes and Walker? It ends up being Walker. Guess Mayo. what? Adam Thielen is on pace for 1,339 yards, buddy. You're going to be right on that one. <laughs> they're, sure, they're not going to throw it to anybody else. Wes, I'm going to go ahead and concede <laughs> this big old L right now. I may have won Shrop Props. You're going to win Thielen season arching prop all right that'll do it for the shrop prop uh, dropping it like excuse me shropping it like it's hot segment let's move on we talk a little hornets talk about the positive let's vibes do there. it Maybe let's dive in the it's vibes. sports radio 92.7 wfnz life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider key ofatumumab 20 milligram injection 
You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us. I'll be here for a couple more segments. Got some things I got to take care of. And then Wes and Shroppy, I believe Fitty, going to be hopping in the studio to take you the rest of the way before Kyle hops on from 3 to 6 p.m. You going to brag about San Fran's win over Dallas when Fitty hops in here? Uh, I give him a little bit of grief, but to be frank, I'm on the mode. I was in uh, a little while back. When the 49ers had lost in the Super Bowl, and the only team I was concerned with really was the Seahawks and getting back. I'm on that type of time right now. I'm really just concerned with the Eagles. Yep. And then just get me to the NFC Championship game. If they can stay healthy, uh, that's where I'm at right now. Nothing much else moves me because I'm just ready for them to get this thing done. I've had my heart broken too many times you, over the years. I mean, and, and you'll talk some trash for sure. So it's interesting for me to see you in a I am focused on the Focus, goal baby. at hand. Like, this is a different time. When, this is how I know it's very real for you. Yeah. Because you'll talk is. some trash. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't no coming in here <laughs> blustering. Because yeah, I was the same way with the Lakers when they lost to the Celtics that year. And they got dealt with really, really bad. Like, I was just that next year, I was just like, get me back to the finals. That's all I'm concerned about. And we'll go from there. And that's why I'm at. I just want the only thing on my checklist for regular season is giving the Eagles a beat down. That I'll be excited about if they're able to do that. Other than that, just give me back to the NFC Championship and let's go from there. I feel like the sports world balanced the scale a little bit between you and Fiddy because because North Carolina <laughs> destroyed Syracuse. They did. It was over immediately. Drake May was balling. He looks phenomenal. And they they took care of Syracuse after that conversation back and forth for a couple of weeks. Yes. But then San Francisco did. I mean, they just brushed Dallas right off their shoulder. Like it was yeah. one good throw in the end zone for Dak. And that was it. And I did not expect that. I thought it was going to be another defensive game, especially when McCaffrey fumbled on the one. I was like, man, this is probably going to be another defensive game. But it took me the first drive. I knew San Francisco's offensive line was taking it personal because when Dallas couldn't get any pressure, I was like, oh, yeah, they're ready to play. And then I knew that defense took it personal. I think after a couple of drives, I wasn't worried about anything. Even after Dallas scored, I was like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The 49ers are going to dominate this football game. All right, so thank you to the sports gods out there balancing the scale between Fiddy <laughs> and Wes. Yeah, if, if, <laughs> and what if Syracuse would have won or if oh, Dallas would have won? might not have shown up. Uh, yeah. And if Dallas would have won, it would have been bad. <laughs> I just would have had to take my medicine That's like right. a big boy. All right, let's go to the text line real quickly. I teased about the Charlotte Hornets conversation coming up. Brandon wrote in, Walker, I think the first 20 or so games are critical for the Hornets. First 10 without Miles, then about 10 more games to get him fully integrated into the system. Hopefully injuries don't get us again. There's some updates to provide for the people regarding the Charlotte Hornets. Let's start with Miles. This was not very clear when we knew he was going to miss the first 10 games of the season. I didn't know how much he was going to be involved in practice and training camp and the preseason. 
But Miles Bridges is actually not eligible to play in the NBA preseason. So they have their first game tomorrow. October 10th is their first preseason game. They're going to have four before they suit up for the regular season debut on October 25th. No Miles, not going to be out there. We talked a little with Steve Clifford at Media Day. He said it's going to be hard to integrate Miles in the system because if now this is a different coach. Miles has never played under Steve Clifford before. His first year coincided with James Borrego's. So now with Clifford, you're starting to try to figure out what Miles is good at. After a year away from organized basketball, they've been running five on five. Coach Clifford did say that Miles is looking a lot better. He's further along than what he thought he would be after missing a season. But now you're not playing preseason. You're not playing the first 10 games of the regular season. If the Hornets get to like, is there is, is a positive outcome six and four, seven and three. You're starting to see some nice chemistry. PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward in the starting lineup, Brandon Miller getting a lot of good minutes. What does that mean for Miles? This is interesting to me, Wes, that he's not involved in preseason. So now it's that much harder to try to figure out how to integrate what is still clearly one of the more talented players on the roster. Yeah, I think if he comes back close to what he was or as good as what he was before he left, I think it'll just be one of those situations he'll get eased in and they probably start him off on the bench. And then if he comes in and looking like the player that they want, and I think they'll start to work him back in especially if things aren't going the way they want them to. But I think if they're playing really good basketball, like you said, then it does become a situation that are you going to turn them into a sixth man, seventh man? Like, what are you going to do? How's he going to feel about that? So that is a great storyline for the Hornets this upcoming season. Yeah, we'll see how they figure it out. And the other update, just real quickly, unfortunate for James Booknight, but he actually suffered a knee injury in training camp, and he's going to be out for a little while. And if you look at James Booknight, look, man, this is somebody that needs all of the opportunities. Yeah, he can't afford to miss anything. No, he can't. So he is reportedly, Hornets PR tweeted out that he suffered a sprained left knee during training camp. He did not participate in this weekend's Purple and Teal fan event. Update on his status would be provided as appropriate. I don't think we've gotten a full update. Real quickly before we go to the next segment, does this feel like the end of the road for James Booknight in a Hornets uniform? Uh, I mean, it certainly doesn't bode well going forward. I don't know that he's a guy that's going to be getting a ton of minutes this year. So if I had to pick one way or another... I guess I'd jump in a boat and say yes. I mean, he hasn't. The, the problem is they've already given him opportunities. That at the beginning of last season didn't work out. Got some at the end of this past season too because of injuries. Performed better, shot the ball well. Not great, but maybe enough to have a pulse. Summer League was not good for Booknight. And you haven't heard anything, like you said, from Summer League or uh, preseason practices that he's killing it. Because the, the headline that you would want to hear from a guy like Booknight is, Man, this guy's completely flipped the script. True professional now. He's in here. He's a gym rat. He's really working hard, busting his tail uh, to to right the ship, so to speak. But you haven't really heard any of that either. We specifically asked Steve Clifford of the young guys on the roster who had the best summer, who had the best offseason. He named anybody but James Booknight. Right. And that's, that's he mentioned JT Thor, Bryce McGowan's. Plus, if you look at the way the roster is constructed right now, somewhat of a niche position, if you will combo guard they got some young guys there at that spot Bryce McGowan's is you know I don't know if if he's a true combo guard but Nick Smith Jr. is they just spent a first round uh or second round pick on him excuse me Amari Bailey more defensive focus but fits that combo guard type mold Terry Rozier is a starting combo guard he called himself that at media day 
it looks like it's the end for James Booknight. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure he'll be dropping 40 when he's in Venezuela, somewhere mm-hmm. like that. Maybe something Another like that. Year or two. Yeah, unfortunate, but the uh, injury Botswana. does look like that might be happening for Booknight. <laughs> we can name some more random countries on the other side of the break that James Booknight might be playing professional basketball in. We'll go back to some Carolina Panthers conversation on the other side of the break. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.